Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the place where we're talking to graphic designers and creatives about the print projects that they just poured their heart and soul into and helped bring to life to put out into the world. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I am excited to bring this interview to you. I was excited for this interview long before we even actually got down to the conversation here and uh, for, for a number of reasons, which I will get to shortly. But first up, if you are interested in print and packaging design and you just aren't sure where to start, how to get going, you want to be one of those people who designed something and you saw it on screen, you helped build it with your client and you want to bring it to life on some beautiful paper, but there's a lot of things you got to know in between. You need to check out Print Design Mastery. That is where we are teaching graphic designers to be experts in print and packaging design. Plus, it's a whole lot of fun. We, we tell some jokes. We learn some print stuff. I take apart other print projects that are out there and tell you how they were made. And it's all just good, good learning. Good stuff. Excellent skills for you to have as a graphic designer, whether you are in that studio environment and there just isn't somebody who's there to you know, teach you that side of things or to pull you along and, and help you accomplish more on the design side and print design side, or especially if you're out there freelancing and it's on you to grow your skills and to become an even more valuable creative for your clients. Print Design Mastery. You can find it at printdesignacademy.com. There's also a link down in the description here for you to check that out. We made it incredibly affordable for everybody to get into because we just want more designers to create great print. And we want to teach you how. So today's guest is Lisa Champ. She is the co-founder and creative director of Untitled Era out of New York City. She's also known online and on the Instagrams as Red Halftone. And... I was really excited for this conversation because I recently became a bigger fan of F1. I always kind of dabbled in it and watched it, but this year I really dove in. I got the subscription online, the premium one, and I, I'm watching all the races, all the practice, all the practices, I think it is, all the qualifying. Like I'm, I'm watching it all and I'm fascinated by it. I love it. My kids are starting to get into it. And Untitled Era posted a packaging project that they worked with Drive Coffee on. Now, Drive Coffee is the official coffee of F1. So they created this beautiful package for some limited edition coffees for the F1 Miami race. And this was uh, like the first year on this Miami circuit. So it was a big deal. And it's very like Miami Vice kind of colors, like really, like it just says Miami in the design and it says F1 and automotive and it's just such a cool piece. I was really excited about it. I loved it. And, um, and you're going to love hearing about it and hearing the, how it was brought to life. That's enough of me chatting along here. Let's get into the conversation where Lisa walks us all through the sort of idea, the creation, the development and the like production, like bringing this thing to life. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. My guest, Lisa Champ. Hit the intro. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rock their world. From file prep, to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So, let's talk ink on paper. Lisa, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Dave. Believe me, yeah, it's my pleasure in this one. Once I saw this artwork and started connecting with you guys through email, I'm excited to dive into this. Sweet, I'm happy to be here. So, cool. So I'm going to start with the first and generally the toughest question. Tell us about yourself. Um, so my name is Lisa, and I am the co-founder and creative director of Untitled Era, 
We're a uh, creative studio in New York City, and we work with a lot of different clients, uh, a lot of stuff in the automotive space, but we do go outside that too. Um, I think more people know me on the internet as Red Halftone. I also do illustration, but cool. uh, I'm really happy to talk about this today because uh, packaging is one of my favorite things. Awesome. Your packaging is just so exciting, and, and I, I get like... I, I, my kids and my wife don't like to always go shopping with me because I'll spend so much time like just looking at different things in the aisle like oh they rebranded oh that's a new that's a new package or whatever right and um, it's just so exciting to that to create experiences for consumers to to have and to be a part of designing and crafting those be even cooler absolutely um, how long have you been rocking at Untitled Era uh, we are just about 10 years old not quite about nine and a half or so so right on about a decade and whereabouts in new york uh new york city so like uh, right in right in right on the island yep yep um our studio is actually right behind the javits center we're on 12th ev and 34th street so we're right awesome. on the pier actually so oh <laughs> cool place i was in new york with my wife four years ago four years ago i think um for our 10th wedding anniversary kid-free holiday and the energy in that city is just amazing oh yeah like uh that would be like the one thing if i ever moved out of here i would miss it's just like it has an energy like no other so mm -hmm. uh that definitely fuels the creativity for sure and the bagels like i don't want to be stereotyping here but legitimately the bagels yeah yeah for sure they're, <laughs> they're pizza and bagels like that's what you gotta cook. oh yeah okay i'm glad you mentioned pizza and i know it's not print related but just just quickly just wanted to mention we stayed in brooklyn in an area of brooklyn that was super popular really close to the l train williamsburg like williamsburg yeah so just outside of, like right in williamsburg there and there was this walk-up pizza restaurant and like i was on this health kick at the time so i was like trying to eat good we walked like forty thousand steps a day or something and on the last day we were there, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get a, I gotta get a pizza. I gotta get something. So we walked up to this, there was like a walk up pizza bar on the corner in Williamsburg. I wish I remember the name of it. And the pizza was so good. It was like super thin and a huge slice. And you had to like do the classic fold and get at it sideways. And oh, Yeah. You there. can't come here when you're on a diet because the food, there's just, yeah. You'll never eat your way through New York, even living here. Like, I haven't gotten through everything yet. Like, I was considering, like, doing, like, pizza crawls and doing pizza reviews just to try to get around everywhere. Yeah. I might still do it someday. Just to force yourself. Give yourself a reason to go around and eat a lot. Exactly. <laughs> That's so cool. So, Lisa, I want to kick this back in time a little bit. And what is your earliest memory of print or packaging? Something from your childhood, your teens? Yeah, so when I was a little kid, I really loved packaging and I didn't like, I didn't know it was packaging really, like I didn't think about it that way. Mm -hmm. um, I used to save like packaging in boxes of stuff. So like I had a Nintendo 64 box and a Super Nintendo box. I used to like display it in my room and stuff, like really weird stuff for a kid. Um, I also remember having uh, Surge Soda. I like, it wasn't like a thing near us and I had like the can from somewhere. Um, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. So like I saved it. Like my parents probably thought like, like, why is she holding on to this stuff? <laughs> so like I used to like keep those things and look at them and just like, I don't know, like the graphics on them were just like mesmerizing to me. Um, yeah. continued on also like as a teenager, because like the, I probably my favorite packaging even to this day was the packaging for the Zune, the original Zune by Microsoft. Um, it was an MP3 player, yeah. and like just the packaging was like there was this slip case, and like there was this whole like unboxing experience, and it was before people like truly cared about like unboxing or made mm -hmm. videos about that, and just like I saved, I actually still have it somewhere, um, but even to that point, I I didn't know what packaging was, but I just knew like this is cool and it looks cool, and I'm gonna save it. Um, so yeah, I just like it was kind of like foreshadowing my whole life, you know? <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, the reason I reacted the way I did when you said N64 is because that is one of my most nostalgic packaging memories. Like you, again, I didn't think about packaging or print or anything until I was like in the print industry. 
but I remember experiencing it and just the visuals and the feeling of opening it up. Like that's super nostalgic for me. So I was so excited to hear you say that one. Yeah, it's like pure joy. Like I, I feel like it might be part of that, like why I hung on to it, but also just like just like the graphics on it. I was like, wow, this is like so cool. Like it just looks cool. Okay, give me your top three N64 games. Oh man, um, definitely Diddy Kong Racing played the crap out of that. Um, you know, Zelda, you have to choose Zelda Ocarina of Time. And probably since I'm a big Zelda fan, Majora's Mask, so. Really, like, I, okay, so we're two N64 fans that are just slightly different genres of N64 fans. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> mine was 007, um, with the Golden Eye, of course, that's like the, the classic. Um, Wave Race 64. Oh, okay. Which was so cool and super fun. And then um, 1080 snowboarding. Oh, okay. I can get behind snowboarding. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah, so those are my, my favorites. But still, like N64, Rumble Pack, we know it's at. <laughs> That's for awesome. sure. Oh, so good. And then on that Zune packaging, you know, you're right. How it almost, packaging almost really wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't thought of, but it wasn't as experiential, I feel, back then as it is now. Do you think do you think Apple was the one who sort of like changed the game and like pointed to packaging? I feel like that. Um, I also like Apple kind of like really blew up while I was in college learning about packaging because I distinctly remember like um, you know I was in a packaging class and my design professor even brought in like the iPhone uh, box and like he like you know walked us through it like kind of showing us like look this is like amazing like the box just slides off and like it's just this layered experience and like you go down and like you know get the phone out and the headphones and everything and just everything is thought about um so like i don't know if it's just like due to like that's the age that i started thinking about it and and whatnot but um i think it's like a society in general maybe the people outside of packaging like that definitely had to be like a kickoff for people to start really appreciating packaging. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. When I started hearing discussions about packaging and boxes, it was always like started with Apple products and just the the feeling of the packaging and you know the slow lift off of the lid and that kind of reveal, right? So yep. I almost feel like they were, you know, one of the, the one of the one of the early companies that really paid attention to that. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. They definitely made it like accessible, I guess if you want to call it that, like to just the general public, like beyond the, the scope of designers. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, if there were people, um, you know, buying $10,000 Rolexes, like they've already got nice boxes that they've, they're yeah. used to experiencing, right? Yeah, that's but, a good uh, point. I think it might've been reserved to more like luxury items and stuff and like iPhone was like luxury, but like consumer luxury in a way. Yeah, 100%. That's sort of like where it went broad, where it went bigger, right? Yep. So then what about recently? Have you had any recent interactions with any sort of print or packaging that you were really surprised by or that you really enjoyed? Nothing like super specifically, but I will say like um, I am just like when it comes to like drink packaging of any sorts, like whether it's like cold brew coffee, soda, mm -hmm spirits wine i am so influenced by like because i mean there's so much of it but like i'm like looking at the shelf and like i don't care about like anything i'm just judging purely on how it looks <laughs> yes. it's like not a good way to judge it but like because yeah. like you get bad stuff sometimes like some of the worst tasting stuff is like packaged the best in my yeah, definitely but like that's how I choose. Like that's how yeah. I choose anything, especially like you know any alcoholic beverage. Like I'm totally a sucker for like a good label. Yeah, hundred percent. And I so we actually recognized that, and about a year and a half ago we created the craft beer label design course because craft beer labels, like you can have ones that are extremely structured and branded, but then you have the ones that are just wild illustrations and like crazy stuff going on. And I was like, man, it would be so awesome to like teach different designers how to create these different things. And at the end of the day, if you understand, you know, the substrates and how to create your files and how to set all this stuff up properly, um, you can execute on whatever design you want to. So that, um, yeah, that was a really exciting project for myself just because of, like you, a huge fan of beverage packaging and the different ways it can go from tubes to labels to 
um, you know, all these different tactile experiences and shrink sleeves and all, all this kind of stuff. Love it. Yeah, for sure. It's I feel like um, in terms of packaging, it's probably like one of the most explored. Like there's always something new. So yeah. it's just really exciting. And I, that's why I'm just like uh, just totally mesmerized by labels all the time. Like that's that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. So you're probably like me where you're spending a bunch of time looking at labels and d dissecting, you know, how it was made and figuring it out and how they layered you know, the white and the print on top and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. absolutely. <laughs> So Lisa, what was the very first print project that you were ever a part of? The first one that you ever produced? So the first one was actually while I was still in college. Um, we, so there's a, I went to Pratt Institute and there's a yearbook every year and they've pretty much been doing the yearbook for almost as long as the schools existed. Um, the yearbook is always called Prattonia, but it can take any form. So um, in order to do Prattonia, you have to, um, propose an idea and during the summer before the semester starts and if you get chosen then you get to do the project so of course like it's like a huge honor to do it but it's also like coming from like the graphic design perspective you're like it's like a dream job you know because like you get to do this big print project that actually gets produced and you're not even in the real world yet yeah um, so a team of four other girls and I um, kind of came together and we had this idea to do it as a board game. And okay. um, so, you know, that was like our initial proposal and we got selected. I think there was like maybe, I don't know, two or three other teams besides us. So we got it. We were super excited and um, we were, you know, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be a board game. But obviously they're like, hey, you guys have a budget and that's, um, you know, out of budget. So <laughs> we had to rein it in a bit and we figured we'd keep the same uh, book format, you know, like keep it in, in the traditional format, but like, how are we gonna make it a game? Um, so we definitely had to like re-engineer it a couple times to get it to be within budget and still like uh, function as a yearbook and meet all the marks and everything. So I actually have it here with me too. I was gonna say, um, how did you ultimately make it into a game? Like how did it? So um, we, decided uh we decided that um we were kind of going to be inspired by things from our childhood right because it's a yearbook and everybody's like roughly around the same age and we were thinking about choose your own adventure books like goosebumps um where you kind of you know go and move from page to page like choose your own sort of story type deal um so we ended up doing that kind of format where you would do trivia questions and challenges and uh if you obviously guessed or got the thing right you accumulate points and it would just be like a book that you pass around and turn from page to page and it would kind of lead you through the whole book um so that was the compromise we called it uh some assembly required because you know <laughs> in the 90s you would hear that a lot on toy commercials and stuff but yeah. uh bringing it back like you kind of had to assemble together with your fellow alumni to play the game because realistically only alumni would understand the uh the questions and stuff so uh, that was kind of the idea behind it. Um, we actually, since we couldn't do like the game board and everything, like the materials and everything, like this was sort of like a linen, what you'd commonly find with like a game board, um, like the back of a game board, um, you know, details like, so you keep your, your place in the book while you're passing it around and everything. Cause some of the stuff requires you to like get up and move around. So um, it was a, a huge undertaking. Uh, we had to do the photography for it too, the layout. Um, the production just like you know like the full thing hours and hours oh yeah that was a like it took all year to produce and like at the very end like we were kind of running out of time like we were very close to our deadline because as students you just don't know yet <laughs> no you don't yeah you just don't know how much of an undertaking it is you know going from hey this will be a cool idea to do and try this and then when you finally get into it you know, you design one or two pages and you're like, this is only one or two pages. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We, we definitely learned a lot of things the hard way. So like, I'm like really proud of that project still. Um, yeah. but it was like, that really just kicked it into gear for me in terms of learning, like <laughs> what goes into this stuff. So even after that experience where you sort of come up with this idea, there's this initial excitement because your idea gets picked, which is awesome then you're going through like, oh my God, this is a huge undertaking and you're building it. You come out the other side of that, still loving print and packaging. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's like the payoff at the end, like where you actually see like the thing produced and you're like, wow, that was a lot of work, but this is so cool that like you almost forget about all the stress and the pain of actually like doing it that like you're just like, oh, I would love to do it again because I, I want I want this feeling again of like seeing it like a real tangible thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to see everybody else like interacting with it and enjoying it. And it's such a unique experience for all of them. Um, for sure. So that's got to be rewarding as well. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So, yeah, you kind of you kind of let the stress go by the wayside. and You're like, let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> for, for like a moment. Right. Because then yeah. then you realize remember how much work it was. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Lisa, have you ever been a part of a project that didn't turn out as you'd hoped, didn't go well, went sideways for some reason? Um, can you tell us about that project? Yeah. So um, the one of the first places I worked out of school was called Strong Studio and actually is run by one of my professors at Pratt. And um, every year we do a um, holiday card so you know the whole studio designs it pretty much it's a small studio there's like four of us mm -hmm. um, and actually the co-founder of Untitled Era um, Mike he worked there as well um, so we designed this card it's like based on the 12 days of Christmas uh, and it's gonna be this accordion fold type card I think there's probably like must be six panels on each side if it's the 12 days of Christmas something like that I can't fully mm -hmm. remember um, and we decided, hey, wouldn't it be cool to silk screen this? Uh, you know, two colors on each side, so a four color job. And, you know, Mike and I had taken silk screen at Pratt and we're like, you know, we should do like a DIY card. Like, I think we can handle this. And so, um, you know, the, the creative director is like, yeah, all right, you know, you guys seem like you can pull it off. And so, um, obviously, we are in New York City. You can't just silk screen this really in your house because you don't have the setup and everything. So, um, you know, we're looking for a studio where we can kind of like rent the space. And this is in 2000, I think 12. So like space rental isn't, it wasn't such a thing like it is now. Um, mm -hmm. Like so easy to find like studio rentals and stuff now. But back in the day, it was like a little bit harder, especially to even like locate stuff. Um, so we ended up finding this, uh, you know, studio that claimed to be like a silkscreen space and it was in Gowanus in Brooklyn. And so we booked the time and everything. We have the screen shot and like we're ready to go. We show up with our screens and our squeegees and ink and stuff like we need the space for like the drying racks and like a spray booth and stuff and just like, you know, to sprawl out and do it, the tables and stuff. Um, so we show up and like the place is locked. Like nobody's there, Strike one. Like waiting and waiting. And finally somebody shows up and lets us in. And like, you know, the place is like absolutely like a warehouse and like it's a mess. And so like, there's not really a spray booth there. It's kind of like a sketchy setup. Like there's some drying racks and we're just like, like, what are we gonna do? Cause like, there's a timeline for this. And like, yeah. we, like we gotta get this done. Cause like, we gotta get back to work too. Like we're using, a, we're taking a work day to do this. Um, so like we're thinking about it and we're like how are we going to make this work and ultimately decide like we can't do this here like this isn't going to work um so we're like looking around to see if there's like another space we can rent and turns out like there wasn't so we're like well we have to finish this project like because you know this is the end of the year and if you try to get a you know another print vendor to even do this like it's not going to happen like they're booked like there's no way so like we have to do this um, so we ended up silk screening these in our apartment using like uh, the bathtub as a spray booth and just <laughs> putting the prints everywhere because we don't have drying racks and like mm -hmm. this is a New York City apartment. So it's just like it looks like a bomb went off like and we must have printed like anywhere between 60 and 80 of these and like we had to cut them all out too, of course, because this is all done by hand. So it was just like it took so long. Um, so it kind of fell apart in that sense. Like we delivered, but it was not a fun experience. <laughs> so do you have like some PTSD from that experience every time you're like, hey, let's silk screen something. You just kind of get a little, Ugh. Yeah, I don't silk screen stuff myself anymore. <laughs> I haven't done that since that project. So yeah. maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, I, there's projects that I've been a part of where they've taken so much time and so much extra effort. And usually like late into the evenings with like stressful phone calls and all those kind of things. 
And gosh, like you just hear the mention of them and you're like, oh, no, let's go <laughs> move on, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm not keen to silk screen anytime soon. Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I would love now, Lisa, to dive into the, or do this deep dive into the project that we are really here to sort of talk about and um, you know share stories from. Um, so if we can get into, you know, customer, how the, I mean, I'm most interested actually as well in how the project came to be, because I should say the project that we're here to talk about is the Drive Coffee F1 Miami collection. Um, and I'm curious on how it worked with F1 being a part of it and in terms of like partners and how it all came to be and how it all came to work. Um, yeah, so I just want to kick it over to you for, for some storytelling right from the beginning. Like, how did this first come to be? Um, well, so we started working with Drive Coffee in 2017 um, when they first started. And um, so when they first began, uh, the founder, Alex, came to us and he was like, I have this idea for a coffee brand, you know, cars. Um, this is the name I have. So. Um, from that, like he literally really didn't have anything. He had like a couple ideas essentially. Um, yeah. So from there, we created the logo, the identity um, and the branding. So that's like where we started. And then obviously since he was creating um, whole bean coffee, we had to come up with the packaging. So that was like the next step for that. Um, during that kind of initial exploration with packaging, um, that's where we came up with the idea to do tins. Um, mm -hmm. So they're packaged in that, uh, kind of like oil can tin. Yeah, I was gonna say like oil tins. Yeah, so like that was like the idea to kind of like um, create something, package coffee in a way that like you don't normally see coffee packaged. So we really wanted to stand out and, um, you know, make something that like somebody might want to display in their garage or like if they're a car enthusiast, like not even just a car enthusiast, just something that like makes you want to pick it up and see what it's about. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we initially started with them. Um, you know, there was a lot of thought given to um, just like the general experience of this. So like, you know, this is gonna live in somebody's kitchen or garage. Like it might, they might pick it up with like wet hands and stuff like this real tactile uh, functional thing. So even when like choosing a label, we wanted something that was waterproof that would like, you know, really withstand stuff um, mm -hmm. and be used. So um you know they released that it was really successful like so we designed the first four that they released um okay. and then uh from there they kind of expanded on to cold brew so then we we designed some cans for them like the like regular soda can like pop top type things mm -hmm. um so like we've always been very involved in whenever they have a brand new product or like a, a new sort of form that they're taking you know we design it so uh, in at the end of 2020 or beginning of 2021, um, they had become the uh, official coffee provider for Formula One, which is like a huge deal because Formula One is just known around the world, you know, like, yeah. so to have worked with this brand that like literally came from nothing, like just poof, you know, to see them partner with Formula One was just like such a wild thing. Like, um, how do you even do that? Yeah, just like it, it was just so amazing to see a brand that you'd worked on from its inception grow like that. Because that's not, I mean, any designer knows that's not always the case, you know, like brands fizzle out or they just stay small. So, like, that was like such a huge step. Um, so, the founder uh, emailed me one day and told me about that. And, you know, he was like, you guys, you know, designed the original packaging and like the identity. So, like, since this is like so special we really want you guys to design this like box set for us. So, you know, I was like over the moon, of course, cause I'm just like, this is like amazing. You know, like <laughs> I didn't know that much about it yet. We knew we were gonna do like, you know, three cans. It was gonna come in like some kind of box format. It had to be a really cool experience. Um, so it was also like super intimidating too. Cause I was like, you know, that's like a tall order. Like it's gotta be amazing. Like it's not just like regular packaging for like a product like this is no. that experience we were talking about earlier you know like um so uh that's kind of how it all began um 
So, like, he he kind of, like, wanted to do more of, like, an exploratory phase in the beginning. So, like, this project took, you know, about a year to complete, like, just in general. Because we did a lot of exploring in the beginning, just kind of figuring out, like, what form it would take. And also, um, we weren't totally sure of, like, all the items that were going to be in the box. Um, we knew it was going to obviously be the coffee product. Um, but we kind of, like, had to determine, like, was it going to be mugs? Um you know, were we going to have, like, uh, some other components to it? And, like, ultimately we decided to have um, some art cards because we thought that would be kind of, like, uh, a good way for people to, like, display this, like, if they wanted, like, some kind of, like, you know, art along with it. Um, and then we also decided to do the, um, the pass in the lanyard because for those who aren't familiar with F1, um, if you attend F1, uh, you norm they normally do the pass in a lanyard to kind of show like you know what kind of um, uh, you know if you're in VIP or what kind yeah, of like, so like what kind of access you have kind of thing yeah exactly so we're like you know that kind of like calls back to them and it's just kind of like a fun display piece and that was sort of the whole idea behind this box is that it's for somebody who really loves this stuff and they they're gonna want to display this in their house probably or like their their cave of sorts so mm -hmm. um so, so he, yeah so he sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there lisa so he lands this deal with f1 as the official coffee provider for f1 and basically right away gets told that hey we've got this very first event coming up in miami um and is it is it f1 that sort of asks him to create something or does he just go ahead and create something for it or is that all part of the deal um, it's a little bit part of their deal. They wanted to do something special for it. They were kind of yeah. kicking around ideas. Um, I think F1 sort of left it up to them to sort of decide what it was they were going to do. Mm -hmm. um, as like the coffee provider, they had to like provide event support and stuff like that. Um, so uh, pretty much this was the first year that um, F1 was going to be in Miami. Uh, so they actually built the track and everything just for the event. So like it was going to be really special. Like on top of the partnership being cool like this was already a really like unique event like this was the first yeah. time so um that's why we sort of went in the direction of let's make a miami box because you know um just to kind of celebrate that when yeah. we had originally started working on the box it was just like a a general formula one um drive coffee box and it morphed into being um miami specific so um we kind of like that sort of changed at the end and we we went through a couple different renditions of different boxes and there still might be more boxes that get released for either different races or just like um slightly different uh you know like looks for it so this was the first one and and also um timeline had a lot to do with this as well um as a lot of people probably know, like there's supply chain shortages and stuff. So some of the initial stuff we wanted to do before, just like it wasn't going to happen with that kind of deadline. So the Miami box sort of was a, uh, it worked out in that sense. That's cool. So then you're creating this thing and where do you start going in a direction with sketching and planning and, and putting you know the contents of this together and the design and the overall layout and how do you land on this format with this sort of rigid box with a couple of inserts in this outer sleeve um so like i said we we knew we wanted some kind of unboxing experience um obviously having known that like we were going to include three cans like we knew that we were going to do something that was obviously like a box sort of format yeah. Um, and just like having them all kind of laid flat and displayed sort of dictated like how we were going to choose that shape of the box, like that rectangular sort of shape. Um, we originally were going to have like some sort of podium component so you could display the cans that way, but it ended up not really working out just due to materials. Um, and it was simpler to do it this way. Um, so it was, uh, it was a lot of me um, playing around with the objects in the box and figuring out like how can I layer these so it makes sense in terms of like unboxing and how like just like what you see like it's got to be exciting the whole way through mm -hmm. so it was like a lot of sketching and then um just mocking things up in illustrator so like I pretty much have like 
all these illustrator drawings of like just the different like layers of unboxing and stuff and like that's how I, it was presented so ultimately we landed on this one um I wanted to do something where like uh like going back to that zoom idea like I wanted the box to be really fun and like appear fun from the outside so like you know doing that shoulder box kind of like where you see a little bit of the gradient peeking out and stuff um you know, I, I really just wanted somebody to like see this box and be really excited to want to open it up and just get into it. Yeah. So how do you land on doing um, this sort of rigid, sorry, let me rephrase that question. Um, so how do you end up selecting the materials that go into this and adding foil stamp and things like that? Is that Was that sort of driven by a client or was that your suggestion in sort of bringing this um, you know, high value perception to this or because it's a collector's piece? Um, it was a bit of both. Um, we definitely would have conversations about, um, you know, potential materials. Um, in general, you know, things were a little bit dictated, again, by like availability. Um, there was at some points ideas to, you know, do something where uh, there was like stitching and stuff, but like that, it really just wasn't going to happen. Um, we were going to have like a, an even like more collectible box and stuff, but we, we didn't end up going that route. So we kind of kept it um, a bit more traditional in the sense of going extra extravagant, um, but uh, you know, still, still really cool. Like um, in terms of like, you know, some of the effects like foil stamping and stuff, um, we definitely wanted to do that to give it more of a premium feel. Yeah. Um, and I also just felt really Miami to do that, like, kind of over the top. <laughs> That's so <laughs> no. true. That's so true. But, I mean, the whole box is custom anyway. Like, uh, just making the die lines for all of this stuff was, like, a lot, <laughs> you know? Um, so, like, just from, from, like, putting it together, like, my standpoint, it was, like, very, very custom. Like, everything was, you know, nothing off the shelf. Everything custom for this one. Yeah, so even, did you go through like a prototyping phase with the vendor that you selected for the boxes? Um, so Drive Coffee was mostly in touch with the vendor. Um, mm -hmm. He was almost like the liaison between us. Um, we did a lot of mock-ups, like uh, digital mock-ups. And like, I, I always made like little paper to scale ones as well. Um, so we didn't necessarily like send it out and get it back a lot. Um, we kind of landed on this. Uh, I made the die lines for it, and then we got a prototype. Um, you know, obviously, like, there was some funky fits at first that we got um, ironed out and stuff. But um, for the most part, uh, it was just mostly done digitally. Also, um, Drive Coffee is located in Colorado. I'm in New York. The, I forget where the, the vendor was. But, like, so we're all over the place. And this is also, like, peak pandemic stuff, too. So, like, um, everything was just like being mailed back and forth and yeah. you know done digitally essentially so it was really kind of a interesting experience but also like um kind of nerve-wracking too because just due to the complexity of it like and not having like you know people to see you know and and just you know no no physical like meetings and stuff is kind of strange yeah you know producing physical things that you're supposed to really see and touch and things like that but you're trying to do that like remotely and digitally and stuff yeah 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 so that was like a really kind of unique challenge but mm -hmm. um i think it was really great because like it kind of just goes to show that like you can do this and and like not that you're hands off but it is kind of physically hands off in a way so it's very interesting so during the design process of this as you're putting it together you're obviously sending the client mock-ups and things like that do you also need to send them to f1 for approval and for their feedback on them Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Drive Coffee was uh, in touch with F1 and I'd get feedback through them um, because yeah. there was obviously a bit of negotiating between the two. Um, there's definitely like a lot of red tape around what we were doing um, mm -hmm. just due to how you can use their logos, um, what yeah. you're allowed to do and what you're not. Uh, we had like, so, you know, the cans have, or the coffees have different names like Ocean Drive and, and whatnot. Um, we cycled through a couple different uh, names for these just because of what we are allowed to do and what we're not um, you know whenever you work with a larger brand like just trademark and, and how you're allowed to use things is like 
crazy important and they have just so much red tape around everything um you know legality like having uh copyright lines on everything in the right places and just like oh you can't use this logo lock up here on this piece or that um is just a lot so like that would be like the kind of feedback we'd get from them and the kind of changes we'd have to make so there was a lot of back and forth in that sense got it so where was this actually for sale like where could fans and, and people actually buy and collect this thing um so uh at formula one uh miami the box was available there so like if you went to that event you could purchase it there and actually the um if you purchased it you could show it and show your pass the the lanyard and pass that comes with it and that would actually give you access to the drive coffee trackside lounge which was really cool <laughs> That's um, cool yeah you get to like literally watch the race from their lounge um, we went it was a lot of fun um really cool to see people excited about it and mm -hmm. you know people like they were actually experiencing the packaging and especially at the race like that was so cool what um, a surreal experience where it's like you've been through all of this process leading up to that point and then you get to see people actually interacting and enjoying the package you designed and, and the product you created yeah and and at the race as well like it's just yeah. like over the moon kind of feeling um you could also get it on their website as well um, i think it's still available on their site too um actually uh since they're the since they've partnered with f1 their pass will let you get into um any of the other events that drive coffees at with f1 so um that's kind of a cool thing nice. so it's really kind of like an access thing so after you've seen this thing on screen and sort of in mock-ups and these different various digital formats for so long, what was the feeling like when you first got a full, like, hard copy sample of the full kit? Like, what was that moment like? Oh, it was super cool because it was kind of like, you know, that same unboxing feeling that you get, like, when you, you're, you've purchased an item and it's cool packaging, but, like, I, I mean, I think any designer could say like, you know, when you designed it, it's like, just like that much crazier. Yeah. So it was just like, like, just, I don't, like I said, over the moon, like that, that's like the best way I can describe it. Um, we actually got the sample also because um, we do their uh, product photography as well. So we did the product okay. photography for this. So um, we really spent a lot of time with like, you know the prototype or like the final prototype of it um just shooting it and stuff so that was kind of a lot of fun too just spending a lot of time with it and you know with the physical thing in your hand <laughs> yeah definitely and and when you got that first sample is that like is that a terrifying feeling is that a scary feeling or is that just like just pure let me into it i think there's like always like a little bit of sense of terror because like um print always feels so final too that you're like i yeah. hope i don't see something that like i <laughs> like did i forget to kern something stupid you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just yeah. something that you could have overlooked and like that that was sort of the thing with this where it's like um there's just so many components to it that there was just a lot to manage mm -hmm. so it was just hopefully not seeing anything like that which i didn't end up seeing anything that was glaring either because you know we spent such a long time on it yeah. Uh, would have been a bummer if you if you were like oh, that that just doesn't look good <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure that always that one little thing that like the small typo in some fine print or something yeah that said like where the kerning was off and it just didn't you know correct. something that like nobody's gonna notice but like a designer's yeah, but you gonna know notice. yeah yeah exactly yeah, that's the biggest difference so have you had an opera has the client shared like feedback from this project with you at all how was the reception of this being um, did it sell well at the event? Like, what's the, how's that all going? Yeah, um, from from what I've heard from them, um, it was really well received. Um, F1 was also very, very happy about it too. Um, cool. So much so that we are working on another variation of the box too. Sweet. Um, so I can't really say much about that at this time, but. No, I like the mystery. Uh, yeah, there, there should be something else coming out as long as it doesn't get axed, but fingers crossed, because yeah. <laughs> it could. Um, but yeah, reception from both F1, um, the fans, Drive Coffee, like people were really excited about it. And, you know, I think that was one of the, the huge like perks, like you said, like, 
you know, when people are excited to, to experience it and like after you've worked on something for so long, like it's just so rewarding. So rewarding. And that feeling at the sort of at the end of the process, after you've seen something on screen for so long and then you're actually holding it in your hand and it turned out exactly how you planned and how you wanted, like, yeah, such a great feeling. Absolutely. Man, well, I'm super excited that um, that you guys were able to put this together and put it out in the world because it is just a great packaging experience. And just the more more great experiences out there in packaging, the better. 100%. Yep. I, I think there's always something to uh, new to find, and that's the fun part about packaging. Yep, 100%. Um, so got a few other questions before we actually wrap up here, Lisa. Um, you had mentioned that the project took a full, basically a full year through prototyping and producing and things like that. Um, when you're creating this style of packaging, is that is that a long time? Is that a short amount of time? Is that about average? Like, where does that sit? Um, I mean, I, I would say that's probably a long time. Most packaging for us doesn't really take that long. Um, this is also obviously much more complicated than what we usually do. Um, mm -hmm. This is by far the most complicating packaging packaging that I've worked on. Um, but also uh, just because there were many more cooks in the kitchen in this sense, um, you know, we had Drive Coffee, us, uh, Formula One being, you know, a huge cook in the kitchen, just being <laughs> yeah. well, the head chef right there. <laughs> oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. So like, you know, just, I would say like, a, I, I think half of the project went to just like them being good with it and just legal being like, you need this here, you need that copy there, um, stuff like that. And then uh, of course, like, uh, the production side of it, of being like that material is not available um let's find something else so like it was like kind of the perfect storm of those things that's why it took so long the amount of that i've been hearing lately oh i tell you oh yeah <laughs> lots of that stuff ain't in stock for six months or a year or yeah it kind of feels like you can't do anything you want to do right now. <laughs> exactly what's the alternative here yeah. um so what advice would you give lisa to designers out there who are you know see boxes like this one that you created and go I'd, I'd love to make something like that they're really excited and they want to get started with this printer packaging design but they just don't know where to go where should they start in that sort of print design journey um i mean i think if if you're in, still in school see if there's something you can get involved with um i think even if it's not something like in the sense of what i worked on like pratonia um, even if it's not something that's like being offered to you, maybe try to find a way to offer it to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're not in school and you're kind of self-taught, I think that's like a great place to start too. Because um, I mean, even if even if you did go to school, like if you're trying to get started, you can do a lot of self-initiated projects um, for a fictitious client or an existing one. Um, just make it up, make something really cool because like that gets a lot of attention. Um, you know, use your skills, like work on your, your hand skills and like craft skills because, um, you know, a lot of times when I'm working on packaging, like I'm just printing stuff out of my own printer that are like die lines and like mocking it up and making sure that it works yeah. and stuff and that things fit. So like, it's a skill you have to have anyway, um, you know, when creating packaging and stuff. So like kind of get working on it and like make exciting stuff that you would want to see out in the world. because likely someone's going to see it and be like, wow, can you do something like that for me? <laughs> exactly. And I want to just highlight what you mentioned there, when, you know, especially when you're doing packaging, printing it out, um, even if it's a slightly scaled down, like scaled down version of it, like cut out that die line, print it out, like make sure that that comes together and your panels are where you want them to be and all of that lines up. Um, that's such a huge, um, you know, part of the process in figuring out, making sure your design is lined up. Um, especially even when you're newer to packaging design. Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like I always have to check myself too. Like I'll just do it even um, in the sense of like, when you're looking at something that's flat, like an illustrator, and like, you're like, is that the top or is this one the top? Like, which, you know, like <laughs> yes. if you print it out, you can like unfold it and double check. And like, I'm writing like top and bottom and side on, on things just cause I'm like, this has to be correct, you know? Yep. Yeah, and when you get into like super complex dye lines, like you know the like six pack bottle carriers for beer, when you see one of those dye lines flat, 
Oh like, yeah. This makes no sense. How does how yes. does this even work? Right? So yeah, oh, printing yeah. it out and actually assembling it and mocking it up, it just brings a whole new level of understanding on how things come together. Yeah, 100%. And you get new ideas that way too, I feel like. Just mm -hmm. like, because it, it comes back down to that, like interacting with something. It's hard to interact with something when it's on the screen. Like you can have an idea. It's almost more of like a theory at that point, but like folding it up and being like, oh, I could do this here. Like what if we had like some kind of die cut thing here? Like it's just, it almost gets you thinking more. Yeah, yeah, it does. It opens up ideas and opportunities for things that you might not have seen before. Like, oh, that little panel there. Well, I could do something there. That is visible. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, it does create just new opportunities for design. Absolutely. Um, Lisa, before I let you go, the last question I want to ask you is, where can people find out more about you, about Unlimited Era, about everything you guys got going on? Uh, yeah, so you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or any of those things. Our handle is Untitled Era. Um, or you can just go to our website. It's untitledera.nyc and check out what we got. <laughs> awesome. Cool. And I'm going to put descriptions to all of the Untitled Era like links and your website and Instagram and all that stuff is going to be in the description of this podcast. Um, so people can go directly there and, and link over and check out the work that you guys are putting together. Sweet. Lisa, thank you so much for being my guest today and diving into this awesome F1 Miami project um, as a sort of, I wouldn't say a new fan to F1 because um, I've been interested in, in it for a couple of years, but this year I just dove right in. I got the premium subscription. I'm watching it all now. Um, I really appreciated seeing this and thought it was such an awesome, well put together package and, and um, experience for fans to, to have. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'm glad you found it because it was really awesome talking to you and I love nerding out with like print. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> print nerds unite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to see photos of this project, there are links in the description of this podcast to go check out the Untitled Arrow website. We are also going to be posting some photos on our Instagram. That's at print design underscore academy. And if you're ready to start tackling this world of print and packaging design, you need to check out Print Design Mastery. There's also a link to that down in the description of this episode. You can also find it at printdesignacademy.com. And that is where we are teaching graphic designers to be experts in print, helping them overcome all of those walls that they would otherwise run into on their way to creating great print and packaging design. Join us there and a supportive community of other graphic designers as well, all learning print together. Thanks a lot, guys, and we'll see you again soon.